opportunity. Jeremiah chapter 2, I'm going to pick up with verse 31. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 31, it says, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, we will come no more unto thee. Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Where, therefore hast thou also taught the wicked ones thy ways. Also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these. Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? Thou also shalt be ashamed of Egypt, as thou wast ashamed of Assyria. Yea, thou shalt go forth from him, and thine hands upon thine head. For the Lord hath rejected thy confidences, and thou shalt not prosper in them. Verse 1 of chapter 3. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Lift up thine eyes unto the high places, and see where thou hast not been lying with. In the ways hast thou sat for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain, and thou hast a, a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Verse 4. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. Let's pray. Father, come to you this morning, and Lord, I ask you for your strength. I ask you for your power. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would touch each and every heart in here today. And Father, I believe this is something that is for everyone in here today. Lord, I ask that if there's any in this auditorium who's without a Savior, they do not know for sure that heaven is their home because they've accepted Lord Christ. I ask that today would be the very day of their salvation. I pray that not a single a soul in this, in this auditorium, oh Lord, in this, in this building with the kids downstairs would leave today without having a security that heaven is their eternal home. Father, I pray for those that claim your name, and Father, know that they're your child. I ask that our hearts would be made tender and that our hearts would be open to your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> In Jeremiah, we have a message to God's people. The nation of Judah here is rebelling. It's a sad time. If you read the entire book of Jeremiah, you'll find that God's people go into captivity. And Jeremiah, to the best of our knowledge, dies in Egypt as the last remnants of those left in, in Israel flee. In these verses today, this is God is stating his case. He's stating his case against his own people, against a generation that have rebelled and, and violated their sacred trust. This morning I want to talk to you about three hindrances to repent. This chapter, this, this portion of scripture we read is, and you'll not find the word repent or repentance in it, but I believe that very clearly it's a call to repentance. 
it is time that we as a church and as a people and as a country begin to repent. The word repent very simply means to think differently about, to reconsider, and to turn back. Folks, in verse 5 of chapter 3, we see that God's judgment will come. Though God is merciful, and he always is, his righteous anger will one day come to fruition. This morning, and I pray that you understand what, I, what I'm saying, and I, I pray that you'll, you'll listen here. I believe what I'm saying in the next couple of moments is very foundational for the message. I serve a God of grace and mercy and love, but I also serve a God of righteousness and holiness. And because of that righteousness and holiness, judgment must be served and wrongs must be righted. And things that are unholy will be destroyed and purified by fire to make them holy. Now understand, because of God's grace, mercy, and love, he has made available to every man and woman and child a way to escape his wrath and his judgment. 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross, God allowed his only begotten son to die. Jesus Christ took in his own body my judgment and God's wrath that should have been rightfully poured on me so that I can avoid God's hand of judgment and become his child. See, God's grace is always evident. But may I say to those here today, it's a time to repent. Our society and our culture grows darker and more deviant every day. The sin of our nation and of our people, in many cases, and of our own lives, is offensive to a pure and a holy God. Christian, today it's time to repent. This morning, this, it's, it's not a message to call our country to repentance. It's not, a, it's not a call for our people to come to repentance. I really believe in many cases it's a time for you and I to be called to repentance. God laid this on my heart very heavily here the last couple of weeks. And I want to look at three hindrances found in our text to repentance. Three hindrances, three stumbling blocks. And I hope you understand that's what I mean. Now, folks, while I'm talking about this, I don't want you for one moment to misunderstand that we don't have a God of mercy and grace. I was talking to one of our fellows the other day. During the tribulation, when God's wrath is poured out on this planet, God's grace is evident. If, if, if you've never studied the book of Revelation, it is a time when many will come to Christ. There are 144,000 that will be saved out of the nation of Israel, 12,000 out of each tribe, and they will go into all the world, and they will preach this book. And many, the Bible says that the, 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 the multitude will be without number, and there will be every tribe and every nation among that that, 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 that comes to Christ during the, the darkest days of our world. And praise God for that. God's grace and mercy are always evident. And don't ever forget that. As you study the Old Testament, and here, the Old Testament is a time when God's wrath is shown, and in the New Testament, it's when God's love is shown. But that's not true. You'll find in the Old Testament that there is also a God of grace and a God of mercy, as well as in the New Testament. And you'll find in the New Testament that God's judgment does come. The story of Ananias and Sapphira is a perfect example of God's judgment coming upon the New Testament Christian. And my friend, I want us to understand today that though I am going to be looking at God's judgment and, 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 and a call to repentance for you and I, that I, I want you to grasp that we do serve a God of grace and mercy. And that will never change. For people to say God is not a loving God, they've missed the point. 
They've missed the boat. Folks, I'll be very honest with you. If, if you and I, and Jess, pull this screen up behind me. If you and I do not understand the importance of judgment and correction, then we cannot understand the concept of true love. A parent who loves a child will discipline and correct a child when they are out of line. You say, but, but, but pastor, we live in an era where, where we just want to hear about love. My friend, love is not love unless you have the, the, the correction and the discipline to show that love. I pray every night that God helps me to love my children as I am supposed to. And to love my children is at times to sit my child down and to explain to him what right is and what wrong is and to show him the error of his ways to whatever degree I must. Do you understand that? And though you say, well, well, God's hand of judgment is coming. My friend, the reason God's judgment is coming is because God is a perfect God and God is a God of love and he has withheld his anger and he has withheld his judgment as long as he possibly can. And my friend, I don't pretend to stand in the place or in the shoes of God today. I do not pretend to say when judgment will come or when God's anger will be shown. But I can promise you this, because God is a God of love and mercy and grace, I can guarantee you God's judgment will one day be shown. The first hindrance to sin this morning is a refusal, or the first hindrance to repentance is a refusal to admit sin. In verse 34 of Jeremiah 2, it says, Also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these, and understand that God is saying, I, I didn't have to look hard. He said your sin was incredibly evident. There was no, there was no uh, undercover work that needed to be done. But verse 35, Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest, I have not sinned. We today have a refusal to admit sin. What is sin? Sin is anything that violates the will of Almighty God. This morning, I hope that you understand, I don't want to deal with the flea on the chair as far as sin is concerned. I'd like to deal with the 10,000-pound gorilla in the corner. You see, Jesus condemned the Pharisees for straining or choking on a gnat and swallowing a camel. Today, amongst Christianity, it seems as if we like to argue about the finer details of our faith and let the weightier matters Go unhindered. We'll argue about whether a tie is appropriate on a man for church or not. I've read articles and I've read chapters and books that focus on whether this is biblical or not. Now, folks, understand what I'm saying. Debbie, there's, there's in my, I got to move, all right? I'm sorry. This is just too good to stay in one place. There are batteries in my top drawer, all right, in my, on my left-hand side. Folks, I'm sorry. You get something down, you just can't mess with it. She's a good woman. She loves me in spite of my fallacies. But I have read books that talk about a tie. Folks, I don't think God cares so much about the tie. I really don't. You say, well, you're not right with God. Well, brother, I I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't think this is an issue. 
You know, I've heard, I've heard fellas argue about, and women argue about the length of a woman's hair. Well, what is, what is the right length? How long? Folks, I, I think a woman's hair should look like a, women, a woman's, all right? I am not for, for women wearing their hair like boys, all right? I, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But, but I don't think the hair has to be 27 inches or 24 inches or 13 inches to be right with God. And yet I've dealt with people, and they'll say, you don't understand how important that is. Well, folks, again, I, I think that there are things and, and, and matters of significance to you and I over that, but I don't think God in heaven sits up there and says, well, your hair was an inch too short, or he doesn't look at men, and I've dealt with this, your hair is not tapered to the right length. Let it go. I mean, that's not a weightier matter of the law. I have an opinion on these matters, by the way. And if you come long enough, you'll probably hear it from me. But there are bigger fish to fry this morning. It's high time we look at the sin going on in our own lives, in our own culture, and call it sin. And that's the wonderful thing about sin. I have a wonderful wife, beautiful wife. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> but folks, sin is running rampant in our nation. And we are sitting silently, refusing to say a word and to call it sin. As I, as I put things together last night, I really, I pondered on this for a while. I thought, why are we afraid to call sin, sin? The first reason I thought of is because we're sissies and we're afraid of persecution. But the second reason, and I believe this is more accurate, is we are afraid of others pointing the finger right back at us. Because we happen to be sinning right along with them. It's very hard to say that is sin when I'm committing the very same act, is it not? Now, folks, I'm not saying that ever anybody in this room tonight is going to be, or in this room tonight, man, i got to get with it. Anybody in this room this morning is without sin. If we were without sin, we could cast the first stone. But, folks, it is high time that we start calling sin, sin. And please understand that. You see, a hindrance to repentance is a refusal to admit sin. Folks, do you know that drunkenness is not a disease, it's sin? Do you know that drugs, legal or illegal, as far as the abuse of them is concerned, is sin? I had a man come in here a few weeks ago, and he said, well, he said, I've been clean now for a month. I said, well, I heard you're, 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 you're dealing a little bit of marijuana. I'm not dealing any. I, 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 I use some, though. I said, well, you're not clean. Well, you don't understand. I mean, that one is one I have to do. And, folks, what, what has happened in our culture and in our society, and I, I say that to point the finger at us, we don't want to call sin sin anymore. You see, what they do is sin, but what I do isn't so bad. And so since what I do is a little bad, I won't say anything because I don't want to be offensive to them. Folks, do you know that immorality is sin? Now, we, we say, oh, homosexuality, that's the big issue of the day. And, boy, I look at what the Boy Scouts are dealing with right now, and you pray for them and call them, and by God's grace, they'll take a strong stand as they have for many years and will stand strong on the issue of homosexuality. But, folks, homosexuality is a sin. Pedophilia is a sin. And we'll amen that. Many of us in this room would say, that's right, Pastor. Homosexuality is a sin. Pedophilia is a sin. But let me ask you, what about fornication and adultery? You see, we, 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 the Bible does not say flee homosexuality or pedophilia. It says flee fornication in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. 
That's what the Bible says. And folks, we've got to come to a place in our culture where we say sin is sin. No matter if you're doing it, I'm doing it, or the world's doing it. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And I'm not going to be ashamed to state the obvious. But so many of us today have ignored the 10,000 pound gorilla in the corner and said, well, I just don't want to be offensive. Brother, it's high time that we stand up in our culture and say sin is sin. We look at pornography, and by the way, pornography is another form of immorality. We've got it on our televisions, and we've got it on our computer. Went to read about Donald Driver retire, and I, I, love, I love the Packers, and Donald Driver's played for Green Bay for 14 years, and he's, he's retiring with the only team he's ever played with. And I went to just read an article about that, and three times on that page alone, and I, I, I showed my wife, and I just turned the page off. There were, there, were, there were advertisements for, 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 for lingerie for women. And I thought, heaven help us, man. It wasn't a picture of my wife. And I just had to turn it off. And I thought, heaven help us. What is, what is going on when I can't even read an article about a football player who, who, who is not being immoral and is not being disgusting? How do I? And, folks, it's sad. It is sad when we have to sit in the privacy of our own homes and have our minds polluted. And, by the way, the only difference between porn and fornication is one commits it physically and the other commits it mentally. How about gossip, by the way? Do you know that gossip is sin? Tearing down someone's character behind their back is sin. Criticizing anyone to someone other than themselves is sin. I, and you say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? We don't, we don't have a lot of gossip. Folks, we have this newfangled thing. It's called the computer. And on the computer is this, 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 this site. It's called Facebook. And people will go on Facebook and they will slander and tear down and destroy the character of someone else. Folks, that's gossip. Well, 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 well I, 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 have a, I have a bone to pick. Then go pick it with them, man. I'm sorry, but I have, if I have something stuck in my teeth, I do not go and pick my children's teeth. I pick my teeth. Amen? If that bone is stuck in my jaw, then I'm going to deal with that bone that is stuck in my jaw. I'm not going to go to the world and tell them about my problems. And today it's time that Christianity says, hey, that's wrong and that's sin. We got bitterness running rampant. It's an attitude that poisons the mind against those that love them the most. We deal in a culture of lies and hypocrisy. We tell a lie or we live a lie. We say one thing and yet we live another. We have filthy communication. Vulgarity and blasphemy escape our lips. I got to tell you this. I am so weary of this term. Pardon my French. If someone says, pardon my French, slap them very quickly. Because they're just about to say, I, I, I've had people sit in my office like, oh, pardon my French, Pastor, but bleep this. Well, in my personal opinion, you just sinned twice. Because you premeditated it in your mind, and then you said it with your stinking mouth. And folks, i got to be honest, you say, well, well, what's wrong with that? The Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. The Bible says, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. I am so weary, and folks, I'm not talking today about the world out there. I'm talking about the Christians in this room. It's a time to be called to repentance, and it's time to call sin, sin. You say, well, well, you don't understand. That's how everybody talks. That's not how you and I are supposed to talk. You and I are not to curse. You and I are not to take God's name in vain. When, when we take that God name and we attach it to that, that, that four-letter word and, and we violate and blaspheme Almighty God, you understand that is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. 
And yet we do it on a very regular basis. We say, well, well that's how I grew up. Or, that's how my dad talked to me. That's how the guys at work. Well, I'm sorry, my friend. Praise God. You got saved out of that. You don't have to live like that anymore. Amen? I mean, the things I used to do, I'm not supposed to do them anymore. There's supposed to have been a great change since I've been born again. We deal with sexual innuendo, and it's high time that we call sin, sin. One of the saddest portions in the Bible to me is when Nathan has to come in front of David and say, David, thou art the man. If you'll study the scriptures, I believe you'll find that David was Nathan's friend. He was, David, or he was Nathan's king. I think in many cases, as it was with most of Israel, David was probably Nathan's hero. And yet David had lied to himself that what he had done when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and what he had done when he had given the order to have her husband Uriah slain in battle was okay. Besides, he was king. He had killed Goliath, I'm sure he told himself. I'm sure he said in his own mind, well, God has worked mightily through my life. He was not willing to admit his own sin. That's one of the saddest portions, and I can imagine this, this little prophet Nathan as he walks into the throne room and he gives David an example of a man who is lost who has taken something from someone, and it's all that that little man had. And David said, that man should die for his deeds. Nathan said, David, you're that guy. Now, praise God, David did repent at that point. But I wonder how many days and weeks and months it had been since David was honest with himself. David was living a hypocritical life. David was standing as the king of God's people, standing and making righteous judgment, standing and giving his people exhortations. He was doing everything he was supposed to do, but deep in his heart he was nothing but a hypocrite at that point in his life. And I wonder today, hey, do I have to have someone come to me and point out my sin and say, hey, you are the one that is committing that. Or will I admit my own sin? David, repent. Repent. Hey, Christian, repent. My friend, can I tell you there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure? God calls it sin. It's not how I feel. It's sin. They didn't have it coming from you. It's sin. The first hindrance to repentance is a refusal to admit sin. Secondly, there's a refusal to be ashamed of our sin. In verse 3 of chapter 3, God says judgment's already become, already, already started. He says, therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath been no latter rain. And then he says this, and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. You see, they had set their face against God Almighty. They knew what they were doing was wrong just as much as a prostitute knows what she is doing is wrong. And yet God said, you're not even ashamed. Folks, it's not just that we don't call sin, sin in our lives anymore. But many times, even if we do, not only do we condone it, in some cases we're actually proud of it. Israel knew she was prostituting herself to other false gods, and plus God, she was proud of it. Today it seems that we've made sin a badge of honor in our speech and in our relationships and in our lifestyles. 
We see no problem whatsoever in posting lewd pictures for all the world to see on our internet sites. We see no problem in being profane or vulgar, even in the presence of fellow believers. Heaven help us when we can openly sin and somehow find a way to mock the God of heaven with it. God said, Israel, I have a problem with you. He said, number one, you won't admit your sin. But he said, number two, even when you do admit your sin, you're, you're proud of it. You, you walk around with it on your shoulder. You, you, you parade it openly in front of the people. And folks, you look at what's going on in our nation today, and you cannot argue that this is the case. We have sin openly being broadcast. We have it being pushed into the faces and into the minds of our youth. Went home last night, and I had to get rid of some things because I don't want my 10-year-old son to even have a hint of what the garbage of this world is like. I don't want that. I don't want my son to be defiled because daddy might be just a little bit. Now, folks, I, I, you know this. I, I promise you, it's so insignificant, but God said that needs to go, and my response needs to be, yes, sir. Most people look at it and say, it's fine. It's not no problem. There's nothing wrong with it. At all. But God said to my heart, he said, you need to get rid of that. There is no business for that in your home. And I had to go home last night. I had to tell my wife, Debbie, we need to get rid of that. She said, why? I said, because God told me to. I don't want to be proud of my sin. I don't want to have to look to heaven and say, God, I know there's something between my soul and you, but bless God, I'm keeping it. No. No, when the Lord shows me something, through his book or through his spirit, I'm to be ashamed and I have guilt and put it away. Put it away. Cast it out. You say, Pastor, I mean, you don't understand. I mean, we'd look weird if we did that. Praise God. You'd look like Christians. I mean, we have held on so firmly to the filth of this world. Folks, do you understand? I mean, the television we watch, they are, they are, they are I mean, just, just shoving promiscuity down our throats. And I'm not talking about men and women going to bed together before they're married. I'm talking about men and men going to bed together before they're anything and ever going to be anything in the sight of God. And we say, well, well, that's just humor. I enjoy a sitcom as much as the next. I enjoy enjoyable humor. I do. I like to laugh and I like to cut up. But I got to tell you, what is being mocked and what is being pushed on us is not funny to a holy God. You say, well, well, pastor, I mean, you're being a prude. No, no, I'm trying to repent before God. You say, well, well, you don't understand. Everybody's doing it. No, I have a right to say to my God, God, there's nothing between my soul and you. The way is clean. And the way is open, and I need to repent before God. And folks, you and I today, we must be ashamed of our sin. Don't you walk out here and say, oh, it doesn't matter. I can live any old way I want. No, you can't, and please God. You understand? We've got to be ashamed of our sin. I mean, I'm sorry. There was a time in life when every single one of us got ashamed. Amen? I mean, Mama and Daddy walked in, and they knocked on the door, and we went, oh, and you got flushed, and you got red-faced, and you got real nervous real quick. But somewhere along the way, we forgot how to do that. Now we just say, well, everybody's doing it. Who are you to point a finger at me? Folks, do you know that wrong is wrong no matter who points it out? Do you understand that? Well, consider the source. They're a worse sinner than I am. Can I ask you this? Are they right? 
Because i got to tell you, if Jim Holfeld comes to me and points out a sin in my life, I'm going to tell you this right now. If he's right, it doesn't matter how right Jim Holfeld is with God. I, I, read, a, I read a blog from Bob Gray here the other day. Bob Gray was with us last March. And Brother Gray told about a man in his church when he came to pastor. And that man, every single year, would come in with a list of grievances against the pastor. Things that were not being done the right way. Things he felt that were wrong in the pastor's life. After several years of that, and he'd established himself, his secretary said, Pastor, Brother Gray, don't worry. I'm not going to schedule him an appointment this year. And he said, no. He, she said, schedule him an appointment. Because he said every year he comes in with that list of 25 things. He said, there is one thing that the Holy Spirit uses to smite my heart. And I know his spirit isn't right. And I know his purpose isn't to please God. But you know what? God uses him to purify me. And folks, you and I, we, 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 we got our built-in excuses, don't we? We got our reasons why it's okay to live the way I do. No, sin is sin. And a hindrance to repentance is a refusal to admit it. Secondly, it's a refusal to be ashamed of it. The third hindrance is a refusal to change our ways. You see, repentance is not truly repentance until the rubber meets the road. In layman's terms, it's called application. This is not to be a message for consideration, but it is a message to act. My desire is not that we would think and say within our hearts, well, he makes a valid point, and our society needs help, but my desire is that we would look inwardly and change our ways so that we may boldly cry out to a world that God's judgment is coming, but he has made a way of escape. Folks, we are commanded to be lights to the world. But in many cases, the lights of the world are dim. We're supposed to shine brightly. We're supposed to shine boldly. We're supposed to bring others to the one who is the light. And yet many times our lives do not allow it to be so. This morning, would you look honestly inside your own heart and admit your sin? Would you become ashamed of it? But truly and most importantly, would you change your ways? Before I can tell the world to truly repent, I must have already visited the altar with my God to change my ways. My friend, this morning, I've, I've not tried to be complex. I've not tried to be deep. I've tried to be very, very open. But it's time for Christians to get right with their God. Pastor, why is our nation in the state it's in? Have you seen Christianity? I mean, folks, do you, do you understand? There are mainstream denominations being split over topics that are so blatantly obvious in the Bible, it's ridiculous. I mean, churches in our area. I, I talked to a, a small group of people that were start, are starting their own church up in Monona, Iowa because of the topic of homosexuality. The topic of homosexuality is not an open topic as far as God's concerned. Ties in church? Yes. Homosexuality? No. God's blatantly obvious on what... It's truth. 
We have congregations that are split for all sorts of reasons. And we have the audacity to say, well, well, well you don't understand. We're in the, 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 the 21st century. Like, that's a right to be stupid. Uh, seriously. Well, we, we are more evolved. If we were more evolved, wouldn't we do things closer to God's methods? I mean, let's face it. God's way is perfect. God's way is best. God's way works. And yet we have people today say, oh, we're so far beyond that. No, no, you're so far behind that. You're missing the boat. Folks, do you know, and, and, and this is, this may, it, it saddens me, but at the same time, I laugh at it because it's so common sense. Do you know what, what, what child psychologists say is the best place for a child? It's in a home where a mama and a daddy live together and have a good, solid relationship. Wow. I think that advice is as old as time. I mean, really? You're blowing me away. It took somebody 25 years of schooling and research to make that observation? Of course it's best. That's what God said. And folks, i got to tell us today, it is time that we stop sitting in our seats and stop sitting in our cars and stop sitting in our couches at home. And it's time that we say, hey, number one, I need to turn the light in, God, and you need to purify me. Hey, cleanse my heart, God, because I need to know what's going on here. And i got to admit my sin. And i got to call what I'm doing wrong. And then I need to get ashamed of it. And I need to go to an altar, I need to go to a private place, and I need to confess my sin to God. And then I need to change my ways. I need to change my ways. That's what repentance is. Repentance is when I'm walking towards Brother Matt, and I repent, and I turn, and I walk away. That's repentance. Repentance isn't walking just at a, at a safe distance. Repentance is going in the opposite direction. Because, folks, what too many of us have done is we made friends with our sin. We become very comfortable with it. And, 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 and from time to time, we'll take a step closer, and then we'll take a step a little bit away. But we become so comfortable, and we like to keep it at arm's reach. I've talked to people, and, and, and hey, well, Pastor, I, I, I'm not drinking anymore. Praise God. It's been a couple weeks. But, 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 you know, I still got that one can in the fridge just in case. Man, cast it out. Call it sin. It's not a problem. It's not a disease. It's not, it's not something that, that was mentally thrust upon you because of the trials of life. It's sin. And until you call it that and deal with it in that manner, my friend, you're going to have a very hard time stepping away from it. And today in our lives, we have got to come to a place where as Christians we say, Father, I am going to come to you. And God, I'm willing to open my heart and I'm willing to have you tell me what is wrong. That's a bold statement, is it not? And i got to tell you, I'm as, I think I, I, I'm as guilty as the rest of us when I say, I don't like to pray that prayer a lot. Because there's a funny thing God does. He honors it. He says, okay. That right there is a problem. That issue right there is a problem. And God is gracious. I read in Isaiah, God knows how to deal with his people. God deals with some of his children with a baseball bat, an aluminum one. Others he deals with a little fly swatter. God knows how to deal with his children. 
And God is going to work with you in a manner that you can work with him. But I would like you to understand, my friend, it is time that you and I go to God and say, God, I need to get right. Young people, you need to go to God. And you need to say, God, I need to get right. Folks, we've got an opportunity to do something in our nation. To do something in our culture. We're turning away from God. That does not mean you and I have to. And my friend, today I challenge each and every one of us. answer the call to repent my friend it's, it's personal and it's private what God wants from me today is not necessarily what God wants from you in some cases but I can promise you this if you are living and you are breathing and are born again there is something God wants you to deal with there's something <laughs> life is kind of like school. I never went to school a day in my life and the teacher said, I just don't do nothing. Some days at school, it was difficult. Some days it was a, just easy skate. But I always had to try to learn something. And that's life. My friend, when you and I go to God, I can promise you God's going to say, here's something you can learn. Here's something you need to work on. Here's an area that needs to be dealt with, son. But are you and I willing to answer that call? Israel was not. They played the harlot. They walked away from God. And God brought judgment. God begged his people to repent. God begged his people to get right with him. And they refused. Chapter 3 and verse 1 says, They walked away from me. They left me. I didn't leave them. Jesus said in John 6, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. My friend, please understand this morning. Our God loves us. He's a God of mercy and grace. And today, He asks you and I to admit our sin. To be ashamed of it. And to change directions. Let's go and stand to our feet. My friend, if you are in here today and you're without Christ, if you are without a Savior, the greatest story, the greatest news that has ever been given is that Jesus Christ died for your sin. He died for mine, praise the Lord. He took it in his body and he endured the wrath of God upon him so that you and I could have eternal life. And all that God asks is that we accept Jesus Christ by faith. That we bow our heads and confess him as Savior. My friend today, if you're without Jesus, don't leave here without a Savior. Don't leave here without heaven being your home. And Christian, 
Are you willing to come to God and say, God, I know there's some things between me and you, and I'd like to get them confessed. I'd like to change my ways. God, I want to get right. My friend, if that's you, you feel free to come to the altar. As the instruments begin to play, if God's laid something on your heart, you come. Folks, let me, let me just challenge you. Let's keep a clear line of communication between us and the Savior. I think as the day approaches, we're going to need him more than we ever have. I don't want to have to seek him when I need him. I want him there with me already. Amen? child when they get scared they cry out for mom and dad if they're close to mom and dad they just feel the touch on their shoulder and they're reassured but when they've run away and hidden it takes a while to find that touch of security and friend I just challenge you we're facing perilous days let's stay close to our God Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer.